0: So grateful we could all be together today as we enter the Christmas season, and it's good to be here at Vertical Worshipping. I'm excited about our Christmas Eve services uh, on, on the 24th. It'll be an evening of worship, and so we'll feature a lot of different styles of music that evening. Uh, we have some children going to be singing that night, and we're bringing back an old Vertical favorite, the band doing Christmas Eve in Sarajevo. So if you haven't heard that before, you're going to want to be here for that. It is a uh, it's something that kind of marked us for many years as like, you gotta go hear Vertical Band do this. So I'd say be here for that on Christmas Eve, looking forward to that, those two services. And then on Christmas days, Christmas falls on a Sunday this year. And as you know, what we have here requires a lot of volunteers. And so because we're doing such a big service on the 24th, we are gonna take the 25th off and ask everyone to be home with their families on that day. Give our volunteers a break. We're gonna do something special though. We're gonna put together uh, a video of worship and a brief message that we'll post online on Christmas Day that you can watch with your family as you have time and available to, And uh, it'll be special. Uh, as you spend time together and think about, it'll be really kind of a follow-up or the conclusion to this series that we enter today, Unto Us. We've just come out of a very uh, powerful, punchy series as we've talked about uh, Jesus being the truth, salvation through Jesus alone. We've talked about truth by scripture alone. I'm gonna do a little redecorating here on stage for just a minute if you don't mind. Um, We've talked about uh, grace by faith alone alone and yeah i'm just gonna do a little bit more redecorating here if that's all right with everybody make some room there we go so um as we come out of that of course the disciples were amazed that jesus was a man who was fully truth who spoke the truth he wasn't afraid of truth and he stood on truth but john writes in his gospel and says there was something else that was so intriguing and stunning about this jesus john wrote in the first chapter he said This man, he was full of truth, but he was full of grace. He was full of grace and truth. He wasn't 50-50, 70-30, 90-10. He was 100-100. And they had never seen anything like this before. And it was so fresh to them that they said, we beheld the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. He was full of grace And he was full of truth. And the truth puts us on our face in repentance. But grace lifts us up and looks us in the eye and says, you are forgiven. So during this series, we're going to be looking at one of the most well-known passages of Scripture when it comes to the Christmas story It's from Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 and 7. We're going to see here that God in the Christmas story has shown us the depths of his compassion and grace by sending his son to be wrapped in flesh and blood like you and I. Not so that he would know what life was like here on earth, but so that we would know He knows what life is like here on earth and that we would have a savior in heaven like us. Amen? So turn your Bibles today to Isaiah chapter nine, uh, verses six and seven is where we are today. A little bit of background Isaiah, and we'll do a little bit more of this as the series progresses, but Isaiah writes at a time some 800 years before Jesus is born, at a time when Israel is going through great difficulty, they are facing attack and oppression from the Assyrians and the Syrians. And they are coming after them, not to just uh, cause some trouble, but to take over and to take possession and to take oppressive roles over them. They're facing a time in which the king that they have had has died. Good King Uzziah has died. We read that in chapter six. And so the nation is in this place of instability, facing threats from outside, a place of instability because they don't have the good king that they had anymore, and facing instability because they are also walking through their own sin. They are in a time of spiritual darkness. They have walked away from the Lord, and as a result, they are seeing consequences at every level of the culture. And the people are wondering, who? Who will come and lead us next? Who will come and be our deliverer? Who could come and take up a place in even governmental position and be the one to provide answers? Who can be the one to serve in a governmental position and be able to stand against the attacks of the enemy? Who can be in a governmental position and be good to us? Who can stand in a governmental position and show us what God is like? Sound familiar? This is where Isaiah lived. This is where the people of God lived. And they wondered who would be king? Who would be a leader? Who would come and deliver them? And God speaks through Isaiah and he gives a prophetic message beginning in verse six. And he says, in the midst of their darkness, he says, for unto us, a child is born unto us. A son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this." God speaks through Isaiah and gives this prophetic message that says, there's coming a day. There's coming a day when a child will be born And he will be a gift to us from heaven. And he will set all things right. And he will bear all of the government, not just of the nation of Israel, but of all creation and eternity. He will bear it alone on his shoulders. And he will be like no other king. He will be like nothing you've ever seen before or experienced before. He will be a wonderful, Counselor. He will be a mighty God. He will be an everlasting father. And he will be a prince of peace. And of his kingdom, oh, there's not going to be any end. And you can count on this that the zeal, the passion, the fervor, the intensity, the faithfulness of God will see that this happens. It was a powerful message of hope and in this series for the next several weeks, we're gonna be looking at each one of these descriptions of this child who would be born and we know was born, of this child who would become king, of this child who would fulfill every one of these titles to us and in a day even yet to come. So today, I want us to really think about what it means that Jesus is wonderful counselor. Now, we often use the word wonderful as uh, something pretty or something nice, or we say, oh, it's just so wonderful, it's just so nice. But when Isaiah used the word wonderful here, he didn't use it in terms of like we would. It was nice. Jesus is nice. This word for wonderful here is a word that means miraculous, stunning, to do something that no one else could, no one thought possible, something that was absolutely unthinkable to happen. He is this wonderful, marvelous, majestic, powerful, miracle-working Jesus. This is wonderful, but also counselor. He is the one who Advises. He is the one who knows what to do. He is the one who speaks truth. He is the one who has wisdom. He is the one who will be with us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the one who sits with us. He is the one who knows what to do. And Isaiah would have meant it here to describe even a leader, a governmental leader, as you heard the word in this passage, who would be a miraculous advisor. A strategic, marvelous-minded, brilliant strategist, military leader, governmental leader, the one who is good to his people, who would know what to do in every situation. He is that kind of wonderful counselor. And Jesus is that. For every ruler and authority and military advisor, Jesus is the ultimate example. But for us, where we live, In the places where we need counsel, Jesus is also the wonderful counselor, the one who has come from heaven, the one who has been robed in flesh and blood like us to show us what heaven is like, to show us the heart of God, to show us what it's like for heaven, to look us in the eye, to see that there is redemption, there is hope, there is grace, for the sinner. This is where we dive in today, that he is the wonderful counselor. We all need a wonderful counselor, amen? Man, I do. Um, There's times in my life I don't know what to do. There's times when I'm uncertain about the next step. There's times when I'm not sure about where to go next, what next step to take. And for that, I turn to people in my life that I view as my counselors. Our staff is that for me. Our elder team is that for me. My wife is that for me. Our family is that for me. And there's been many occasions where I will gather one of those groups together and say, all right, It's time to pray because I need your counsel. I need to know what to do next, and I don't know. And we all find ourselves at that place, amen? And it's good to surround yourself with people who are wise, who love you, who have walked down the road a bit ahead of you, who can speak truth to you. And we need those kind of counselors. Uh, I was talking to our staff this week. I said, let's talk for just a minute about what it is that um, what is it that people look for if they are in need of a counselor? Because we all are from time to time. And we could couch this in terms of just family. We could couch it in terms of people that are alongside us. But it's true also that people see counselors today. They will visit a therapist, a counselor, a psychologist, any of those today. So we started talking about what is it that people look for in those moments? And you tell me if this doesn't fit for all of us, really. We're looking for someone who is a uh, a compassionate listener. I need someone who will listen to me first, who will hear and I can pour my heart out to and will sit and not cut me off, not judge me, but whose heart is for me, who will hear what I have to say, who will hear my confusion, who will hear my struggle, who will hear the moment I'm in and will listen to me. And I can tell it by their eye contact. I can tell it, by their face, their countenance, I can tell it by their spirit. We look for a a compassionate listener. We also look for someone who understands. We want someone who not just listens, but can understand where we are, what we're walking into, what we're walking in, and say, "I've, I've been there, I know what that's like. I understand what you're saying. There's something about that. Just having someone look at you and say, I understand that is almost healing enough right there. Amen? So I wanna know that someone understands. I also wanna talk with someone who is knowledgeable. I want someone who can say, I know, man, I'm just not knowledgeable on how to spell knowledgeable now who can say, I hear you, I understand. Did I spell this right? And I know what we should do next. That's what a good counselor is. You don't wanna just pour your heart out to someone and someone say, well, I understand, but can't help you, bud. And I need someone who will listen. I need someone who will understand. And I need someone who knows what to do. I also want someone I can trust someone that I know their heart is for me, someone that I know will keep what I have said to them in confidence, that I know they will not use what I have just poured out in my weakness against me, that will, that will use this moment to build up my faith, that will encourage me and that I can trust them in this whole process. I need someone who will be there. The thing about counsel is it comes in moments that we didn't expect, or it comes because of moments we didn't expect. It comes because of a tragedy. It comes because of a heartache. It comes because of a loss. And in that moment, I need to know that they're going to be there for me that they'll be there in the first moment, that they'll be there in the next moment when we get back together, that they'll be there when my heart is hurting and I need a voice, I need a face, I need someone there with me. And then I need someone who will give me counsel that is true and that fills me with hope. Someone that can say, here's what needs to be done. And let me tell you how this is going to help. This is what we all want in someone we go to that we look to as a counselor, as a therapist, as a psychologist, as a friend, as a pastor. And if you're looking for someone today, I would say, make sure they have all of this. But I would say even more importantly, make sure that they when they do all of this, are pointing you to the wonderful counselor and not to just themselves as the counselor. Because we all know that there are a lot of people today who do not share our worldview. They don't view life from a biblical perspective. They don't view life that says truth by scripture alone. They don't view life that says salvation by Jesus alone. They don't view life as grace by faith alone. They don't view life as love by obedience alone. They have a completely different worldview. And there are many counselors, therapists, psychologists out there today who don't share a Christian, biblically-based worldview. And as a result, oftentimes, they will take faith and remove it from the conversation and treat it as something off to the side, as unnecessary. Look, there is nothing more important than your faith in Jesus Christ in the time of your time of need, amen? That's what you need most. But there are some who don't share our view. And so they'll subtract faith from the situation. They will have you replay your trauma, which is not a bad thing. When I meet with people and they They tell me the struggle they're walking through. I need to hear that. But what I, my goal is in that moment is to help them have Christ walk into their trauma with them and find healing in that. But you don't always find that today. You find people instead who want to walk you through your trauma, and then they want to blame your trauma on the people around you. Then they want to tag you with a label about your trauma, and then they want to medicate your trauma because they say you'll never get past it, this is now your new identity, and then they wanna make you dependent on them for keeping up with your trauma. From a pastoral perspective, that just lights me up with fire on the inside. I think, how sad that people are not helping people in their time of need to get to the one who is the wonderful counselor who are They're not helping them with truth. They're not helping them with grace. They're not helping them heal. They're not helping them become independent from the counselor and dependent on the wonderful counselor. This is what Jesus came to be. This is who Jesus is. And the New Testament describes what we have in Jesus as our wonderful counselor. Isaiah looked and saw it coming the writer of hebrews looked and saw it happened and we sit today with him having access to him because that he came in flesh and blood he came and lived among us he came and lived a sinless life and the new testament describes this the book of hebrews says this in hebrews 4:15 follow me for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. In other words, we do have one who can sympathize with our weaknesses. Jesus became our high priest. When he died and rose again, he returned to heaven to enter into the heavenly temple, offer himself as the sacrifice, and be our great high priest to represent us before God. And the writer of Hebrews says, this high priest, he is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. The word sympathize means to feel the exact same thing. So that if you feel it, he feels it. He doesn't need you to tell him so he can feel it, He needs you to tell him so you can know he feels it already. He knows what you are walking through. He is our great high priest and he knows your weaknesses. He knows your frailties. He knows where you struggle. We have one in heaven now who sympathizes with our weaknesses. He was in all points tempted as we are. Yet without sin, whatever temptation you have faced or will face, Jesus has faced something like it and more. He knows and he did so without sin. He did so without yielding. He faced the temptation of the devil himself. Which, biblical side note here, few of us ever have. What we have dealt with in our life have been the temptations of our flesh or some demonic activity, spiritual host. But remember, Satan is not omnipresent. He can't be here and there and there and there and there and there. He's only in one place. And I hate to say this to you, you're not so important that he's gonna come mess with you. Hello? But Jesus was, and Jesus faced that. And he did so without sin. And because of this, the writer of Hebrews says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace because we have one in heaven who has been in the flesh like us, who knows our weaknesses, who has been tempted and stayed pure throughout it, because he knows, let us come boldly to this throne that's a throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. It's interesting to me that the writer here says that we may obtain or get mercy when we come. When we are in our time of need, if we come to him, we can receive mercy, which is the compassionate, loving hand and heart of God. And in receiving that, find grace, find blessing and favor to help in our time of need, in the moment that you need the counselor, in that moment when you were just in utter weakness, in that moment when you don't know what to do next. This word need here in the New Testament, it's only used one other time. It's used in the book of Acts at a time when it talks about there was a ship that they were using to move from area to area. And they were afraid this ship was gonna get caught in the sand bar on one of the beaches. And to prevent it from being sunken in the sand, they took large ropes and they wrapped it around the ship because it had been beaten and tossed by the waves and the wind, and they didn't want it to sink, so they wrapped these cords around it to say it was in its time of need. It needed to be strengthened. It needed to be held together. It needed to be strong in this moment and it could not on its own survive what it was about to experience. So they supplied help in its time of need. And the writer of Hebrews says, Jesus is that for us. When you have been beaten by the winds and the waves and you feel like you just are about to crater, he is our great high priest. And we can come to him in our time of need. This is the counselor that we have. This is Jesus, the wonderful counselor. And I want us to think for just a moment like you had come to see him, that you had come to sit down with him. Because there's times we all need that, amen? In this moment, we have a wonderful counselor. He is the one who has not come to condemn us, but has come to save us. And so he invites all to come no matter who you are. When you're without answers, he says, come. When you feel stuck in your faith, he says, come. When you feel trapped in your circumstances, when you feel desperate in the moment, he says, come. When you feel like you're at the end of your rope, when you feel like the addiction can never be broken, when you feel like the depression, the anxiety is too much, he says, come. When the abuse of the past and even of the present is more than you can bear and should ever bear, he says, come. And when you've prayed and prayed and prayed and the answer has not yet come, he says, come to me. I am the wonderful counselor. And for all that we are looking for here, he is all of this and more. Jesus is the more than compassionate listener. If you were sitting here and looking for Jesus to be the compassionate listener to you, he would say, my heart has always been for you. You don't have to worry that my heart is against you. I'm here because I know everything about you. I know what keeps you awake at night. I know the secrets that you're not telling others. I know your fears. I know your anger. I even know your sin. And that has not pushed me away from you. It actually has drawn me to you because I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to free you. Your sin doesn't offend me. Your sin breaks my heart for you that you're having to walk in this and I feel everything that you feel. I feel the weight. I feel the darkness and compassion is what has drawn me to you. Because Jesus is a compassionate listener. He has come so that we might have a place to go in our time of need, a throne of grace. So he is the compassionate listener. He, He's also the one who understands. He doesn't need us to explain it all so that he can get a perspective. That's what I do when I'm sitting with people. He knows, he wants you to talk so that you know he understands and so that you can pour your heart out to him. You see, if you were sitting with Jesus, he would say, I was born with flesh and blood like you. I know what it's like to be tired, to be weak, to be hungry, to be alone to be uncertain. I know because I lived it. I don't just know about it, I experienced it. I know what it's like to have people reject you. I know what it's like when people are cruel. I know what it's like when life is difficult. I know what it's like when people said they loved you and they turned their back on you. I know what it's like to be so confident in what you have walked through and no one understands you. I know what it's like when no one will listen. I know what it's like when you feel absolutely all alone. I know what it's like when you lose someone that you love. I know what it's like when you are suffering physically and there's nothing you can do about it. I know what it's like when the night feels so long. I know what it's like when you pray and you didn't get the answer that you thought. Jesus understands more than you know. And that's why he is a wonderful counselor. But Jesus is also Incredibly knowledgeable. He doesn't just know some information. He doesn't just keep up with the recent headlines. No, he is the one who was there before the foundations of the world. And if you were talking with him, he would say, I was beside the Father when he was making everything. I was part of it all. I have the answers to all of life because I created life. I created relationships. I was a part of all of it from the beginning. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I have all the answers for whatever situation you're in. I have the answers for marriage, parenting, finances, sexual intimacy, your work situation, communication, you name it, I have the answers because I am the way, the truth, and the life. But what I have is not just information for you because life is not in just following a formula. Life is not in just following a set of rules. Jesus would say, I have something even greater than that. It's in you knowing me. And you knowing what I have for you. You knowing forgiveness. You knowing mercy. You knowing what it's like to be loved by me. You knowing me. That is what changes a person's life. That is what changes every relationship. That is what provides the answers to life is in you knowing me, Jesus would say. That's the great need for all of us and that's the great need for the world today and all their struggles and all the things that we even look at as Christians and say, that's not right, that's sin, that's, going to destroy you. That's all true. But hear me carefully. The answer for the world is to not stop what they're doing. The answer for the world is to start knowing what Jesus has for them. And that is what the wonderful counselor does. Oh, he's knowledgeable all right. And when you know him, then you will find freedom. Freedom from all that you struggle with. But Jesus is also the one I can trust and more than trust. Because if you were sitting with Jesus, he would say, you know I've always known you, right? You didn't just come to me today and, so that I could get to know you. I've always known you. I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb I know everything about you. I don't just know about you, I'm the one who created you. I know your thoughts before you even think them. I know your emotions before you ever feel them. I know the words you're going to say before you ever say them. It's in the Psalms. I know what you've been through. I know your every hurt, fear, Longing, desire, I'm the one who made you. I know your personality. I know your strengths. And perhaps more importantly, I know your weaknesses. But not so I can judge you, so that I can help you, so that I can heal you. And I want you to know you can trust me because knowing all of the things I know about you I gave up my place in heaven for you. I left the place of worship. I left the place of full blessing, favor. I left my throne to come here, to be born a baby wrapped in human flesh so that you could be free. You can trust me because I am for you. He can be trusted. I want a counselor who will be there. Jesus would say to you, I've always been there. There's not a time I wasn't there. And there'll not ever be a time that I won't be here for you. I'm here right now. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. In fact, when you came seeking me, I had already been seeking you. Your sin didn't keep me from you then, and your sin won't keep me from you now. And it's not just a commitment. This is not a contractual deal. When I shed my blood on a cross, a covenant began. And when you enter in by faith, you enter into this blood covenant and you enter into who Jesus is. And for him to leave you today would mean he would have to stop being who he is because the covenant has been made between him and the Father. And you entered in the day you believed by faith. And he is not going to stop being Jesus And he is not going to stop being one with the Father. And so you are eternally and forever safe in him if you've put your faith in him. And he will be there. But he is also counsel and hope. He knows what to say, how to say it, And he's not here to just give advice. He does not say, all right, well, good session. See you next week. No, he's here to not just give you three bullet points. He is here to ultimately heal what has been harmed in you. To restore what has been broken. To replace what has been lost to restore tenfold what has been taken by the enemy, to rebuild on the old waste places, to raise up a new generation, to rebuild in your marriage what you never saw before in a marriage, to do something new in your children, different than what you even know today, and for them to know faith in an even greater way because you trust in him. And he says, you can trust me. I have counsel and I have hope. I have not come to just give you some advice. I have come to completely heal what you have done and what has been done to you. This is hope for us. We're not here just to fulfill some religious checklist this morning. We're here because we believe that Jesus has come and in him is life. And this life has the power to heal what has been broken in us. And this is the wonderful counselor. He's come to make you more than a conqueror. He's come to free you from your sin. He's come to have you walk in righteousness. He's he's come so that you can be an ambassador of reconciliation for others. He has come to do this and he gives hope. You have all reason to hope because the Savior has been born for us. Amen? And this is all good news. And this is why Jesus would say to us, now, come boldly to the throne of grace. I get it, it's nice to have flesh and blood to talk to. I get it. But there are moments that you and I have to turn to the flesh and blood that came here and is now in heaven and find our dependence there. And the best flesh and blood counselors here will always point you to the one who became flesh for us and is now in heaven, the wonderful counselor. This is what our passion is here at Vertical, is to help you meet the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and to know his word and to grow up in the faith and to allow him to heal every part of who you are and you become a voice of hope to others. This is why he came. And he says, for us to know this, we must come boldly to the throne of grace. You don't approach a king's throne unless you're willing to come in by the king's terms. So we come by our king's terms. And they're not be perfect before you come to me. Clean up your act or I'm not gonna have any part of you. No, our king, our wonderful counselor says, come to me in your brokenness. Come to me in your desperation. Come to me with your questions. Come to me in your sin. There is mercy and there is grace. What a good and wonderful counselor we have, amen? And what an invitation we have. The gospel is scripture. The gospel is one of those subjects you could drill into for your theological discussion for decades. But the gospel is first and foremost meant to be something something deeply intimate, something highly personal. The gospel is meant to enter in places of our greatest need. And it's my prayer during this month that we will come to the throne in just that way ready to hear our wonderful counselor, humble, yielded, surrendered, and listening because there is grace in our time of need. Would you bow your heads this morning? This truth finds all of us in our places of need today. This truth finds us all in places of sin, in places of question, and the invitation is to come boldly to the throne. So in your own heart and mind, I would just invite you to do what Jesus said. Approach him. Come boldly to him. Hear his heart. Receive his truth. Let his mercy and grace wash over you for your time of need. Father, we are humbled today that though we deserve judgment, though we deserved to be cast off and rejected, though we deserved eternal separation because of our own sin, you saw us while we were still enemies and you loved us. You saw us in our shame and you sought us. You saw us in the darkness, and you caused the treasure of heaven, your son, to be wrapped in flesh and blood like us, so that we would have one in heaven like us. So Father, we come this morning. We come in our need. We come in our weakness. We come for mercy. And we come for grace. We are grateful. We worship you. We love you. And we sit yielded, silent, to hear your heart, to be healed by your love, to be restored by your grace. We thank you for the gift of heaven, our wonderful counselor, Jesus. Yeah